The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took a place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went out through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the God of Justice and mercy. Amen. Early in the Gospel according to Luke, in chapter 1, a woman's voice sings out a glorious, sacred song, resonant with ancient promise of justice and mercy. A champion is coming who will bring justice who will rout the proud in the imaginations of their hearts, who will cast down kings and lift up the lowly, who will fill the hungry with good food and send the rich away to taste emptiness. And his mercy will be sure from generation to generation. 
The singer was Mary, the mother of Jesus, pregnant with her child and pregnant with radiant awareness, the presence and the purpose of God. Her song is now known as the Magnificat from its first line in the Latin translations of the original Greek text, Magnificat anima mea domino. My soul tells out the greatness of the Lord. Luke's gospel unfolds by chapter 4. Jesus has come of age and realizes the meaning of his work in the world. In his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, he takes up the scroll of Isaiah and reads aloud, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to announce good news to the poor, to proclaim release to prisoners, to let the broken victims go free. The prophet's word, Jesus announces, has taken on flesh and bones. God has sent me to announce good news to the poor. Today in your hearing, he says, this text has come true. Today, the reading that you just heard is from chapter 7 of this Gospel of Luke. In this chapter as a whole, there are three stories that show Jesus' ministry in action. We've heard them now, all three of them. First, a few weeks back, we heard the story of the centurion who begged Jesus to heal his highly valued serving man. Remember that the centurion was a Roman soldier, an officer of the despised army occupying first century Judea. He was, to Jesus' disciples, an agent of the evil empire. He was an enemy. Jesus saw the human being in the enemy. He saw the heart in distress. He responded to the straightforward request of this man who came to him for help. And he healed the ailing serving man for whom the centurion passionately advocated. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Jesus had taught. And here in Luke's Gospel, we see him living what he preached. Then there was the widow of Nain, the poor woman left destitute by the death of her only son. Jesus saw her poverty and her sorrow. His heart went out to her, the gospel reads, and he called her son on the funeral bier to awaken. At the same moment, restoring both the widow and her son back to life. He has sent me to announce the good news to the poor. And then the third example story is the one you heard just now. The Pharisee invites Jesus for a meal at his home, 
Now, Pharisees are often the fall guys in the gospel stories, the ones that can seem like the baddies. But they were not bad people. They tried hard to be good. I think of them like members of a religious ethical society or, God help me, a circle of earnest but scrupulous clergy. Anyway, people who study all of their lives what is right and what is wrong because they want very much to be good and to do right and to establish order among the people, even though there can be ideological competition petty rivalries, and on occasion, narrow judgment, and maybe just a teeny bit of self-righteousness. But God's ways are not human ways, and human ideas about good order are constrained by human measure. And here we see the conventional good order disrupted at several levels at once, by this woman with a flask of myrrh. First, she disrupts the hospitality of the house by coming in uninvited. Then, she acts up. She kneels down, weeping so that her tears fall on Jesus' feet. And if that weren't enough, she dries his feet with her loosened hair and then anoints his feet with the fragrant oil and kisses him again and again. The good Pharisee is shocked, as any or many of us would be, on the face of it. He thinks to himself, if Jesus were really a holy prophet, he'd see this woman for what she is, a person of terrible character, and he would recoil from her polluting touch. For that's how he saw her, an untouchable, an outcast, a sinner. Jesus does not judge her by the same standards. Maybe he knew of this woman in some context before this dinner. The text doesn't say one way or the other. Jesus sees her heart. He reads her life. He accepts her tender, loving gesture as the enactment of a person who has suffered and been released by grace through faith from suffering. He sees her freedom in her act and accepts her ministration as a sacrament of the kingdom of God. Jesus perceives his host's shocked misgivings and takes him up on it, calling him by name for the first time in the story. Simon, I have something to say to you. What is it, teacher? Simon asks. And then Jesus tells about the two debtors, the one who owed a huge amount, huge, and the other very little. Both are forgiven all they owed. Which one will be the more grateful? Simon takes Jesus' point. I should think the one that was let off more, he responds. 
And then Jesus gestures to the woman. I'd love to read this again. See this woman? When I came to your house, you provided no water for my feet. But this woman has made my feet wet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has been kissing my feet ever since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with myrrh. So I tell you, her great love proves that her many sins have been forgiven. Jesus here challenges Simon, the scrupulous Pharisee. Stingy love yields stingy grace. Where little has been forgiven, little love is shown. Dear earnest Simon, do not mistake the little virtues for the great virtue of unbound love. Jesus turns then to the woman and affirms her in the hearing of everyone. Your sins are forgiven. And even as some of them murmur then, scandalized again, he tells her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I can't say if Jesus is here forgiving her or simply describing what he sees in her. A woman whose faith in tender mercy and unconditional love released her, both from her own pattern of wrongdoing and beyond that from the harsh judgment of her community. Is it human love? Or divine love. Maybe when you get down to the heart of it, there is no distinction between God's redeeming love and a person's inner freedom. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus taught. Active, healing, restoring, freeing at the heart's deep core. Jesus must have been deeply moved by her sacrament of tenderness. For didn't he later do the same thing himself? As his parting communion with his disciples at the Last Supper, when he washed their feet so that they could feel in their own skin and bones the kindness of his love. And... That was what I found so touching even last Holy Week when the good bishop of Rome, Pope Francis, washed the feet of 12 prisoners, among them Muslims, men and women, refugees, some of the untouchable poor of our world. Let not the needy be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Francis knelt before each one of them, kissed their feet, washed them like babies. A sacrament of tender mercy, the deep message of the gospel. Like the disciples named at the end of the reading today, Mary of Magdala, Joanna, Susanna, 
and many others who walked beside Jesus, sustaining, providing, supporting, 